Welcome to Math Mutation, a podcast where we discuss fun, interesting, or just plain weird corners of mathematics that you would not have heard in school. Recording from Hillsborough, Oregon, this is Eric Seligman, your host. And now, on to the math. Math Mutation 204. What happened to Gregory Perlman? Before we start, I'd like to thank listeners Kate and M. Kate and Ed B., who recently posted nice reviews on iTunes. I'd also like to welcome our many new listeners. From the hits on the Facebook page, I'm guessing a bunch of you out there just got new smartphones for Christmas and started listening to podcasts. Remember, posting good reviews on iTunes helps spread the word about math mutation, as well as motivating me to get to work on the next episode. Anyway, on to today's topic. We often think of mathematical history as something that happened far in the past rather than something that's still going on. This is understandable to some degree, as until you get to the most advanced level of college math classes, you generally are learning about discoveries and theorems proven centuries ago. But even since this podcast began in 2007, the mathematical world has not stood still. In particular, way back in episode 12, we discussed the strange case of Grigory Perlman, the Russian genius who had refused the Fields Medal, widely viewed as math's equivalent of the Nobel Prize. Perlman is still alive, and his saga has just continued to get more bizarre. As you may recall, Grigory Perlman was the first person to solve one of the Clay Institute's celebrated Millennium Problems, a set of major problems identified by leading mathematicians in the year 2000 as key challenges for the 21st century. Just two years later, Perlman posted a series of internet articles containing a proof of the Poincaré conjecture, a millennium problem involving the shapes of certain multidimensional spaces. But because he'd posted on the internet instead of in a refereed journal, there was some confusion about when or how he would qualify for the prize. And amid this controversy, a group of Chinese mathematicians published a journal article claiming that they had completed the proof, apparently claiming credit for themselves for solving the problem. The confusion was compounded by the fact that so few mathematicians in the world could fully understand the proof to begin with. Apparently, all this bickering left a bitter taste in Perlman's mouth, and even though he was selected to receive the Fields Medal, he refused it, quit professional mathematics altogether, and moved back to Russia to quietly live with his mother. That was pretty much where things stood at the time we discussed Perlman in Podcast 12. My curiosity about his fate was revived a few months ago when I read Masha Gessen's excellent biography of Perlman, Perfect Rigor, A Genius and the Mathematical Breakthrough of the Century. It gives a great overview of Perlman's early life, where he became a superstar in Russian math competitions, but still had to contend with Soviet anti-Semitism when moving on to university level. It also continues a little beyond the events of 2006, describing a somewhat happy postscript. Eventually, the competing group of Chinese mathematicians retitled their paper, Hamilton Perlman's Proof of the Poincaré Conjecture and the Geometrization Conjecture, explicitly removing any attempt to claim credit for the proof, and recasting their contribution as merely providing a more readable explanation of Perlman's proof. Sadly, this did not cause Perlman to rejoin the mathematical community. He continued to live in poverty and seclusion with his mother, remaining retired from mathematics and refusing any kind of interviews with the media. As you would expect, this reclusiveness just served to pique the curiosity of the world media, and there were many attempts to get him to give interviews or return to public life. Even when researching the biography, Masha Gessen was unable to get an interview. In 2010, the Clay Institute finally decided to officially award him the million-dollar prize for solving the Poincaré conjecture. There had been some concern that his refusal to publish in a traditional journal would disqualify him, but the Institute seemed willing to modify the rules in this special case. Still, Perlman refused to accept the prize or rejoin the mathematical community. He claimed that this was partially because he thought Richard Hamilton, another mathematician whose work he'd built upon for the proof, was just as deserving as he was. 
He also said that the main reason is my disagreement with the organized mathematical community. I don't like their decisions. I consider them unjust. Responding to a persistent reporter through the closed door of his apartment, he later clarified that he didn't want to be on display like an animal in a zoo. Even more paradoxically, he added, I'm not a hero of mathematics. I'm not even that successful. Perhaps he just holds himself and everyone else to impossibly high standards. Meanwhile, Perlman's elusiveness to the media continued. In 2011, a Russian studio filmed a documentary about him, again without cooperation or participation from Perlman himself. A Russian journalist named Alexander Zabrovsky claimed later that year to have successfully interviewed Perlman and published a report, but experienced analysts, including biographer Masha Gessen, poked that report full of holes, pointing out various unlikely statements and contradictions. One critic provided the amusing summary, All those thoughts about nanotechnologies and the ideas of filling hollowness look like rabbis' thoughts about pork flavor properties. A more believable 2012 article by journalist Brett Forrest describes a brief and rather unenlightening conversation he was able to have with Perlman after staking out his apartment for several days and finally catching him while the mathematician and his mother were out for a walk. Probably the most intriguing possibility here is that Perlman has not actually abandoned mathematics, but has merely abandoned the organized research community and is using his seclusion to quietly work on the problems that truly interest him. Fellow mathematician Yakov Eliasberg claimed in 2007 that Perlman had privately confided that he was working on some new problems, but did not yet have any results worth reporting. Meanwhile, Perlman continues to ignore the world around him, as he and his mother quietly live in their small apartment in St. Petersburg, Russia. Something tells me this is not quite the end of the Perlman story or of his contributions to mathematics. And this has been your Math Mutation for today.